Welcome to the Called Forward Podcast, a production of Family Church in Douglas County, Oregon. This is a place for followers of Christ to honestly discuss the real challenges in a difficult world of living out our faith, loving well, and carrying on the mission to be people helping people find and follow Jesus. I'm your host, Crystal Cunningham, and today we have joining us Family Church staff members Paul Glazner and Will Irwin, and we will be discussing the very real challenge of humility. We're here today with Paul and Will, both pastors at Family Church. Will's the Green Campus Pastor, and Paul is the Sutherland Campus Pastor and our lead teaching pastor. And we are going to be going into the question or the challenge and discussing the challenge of having humility and doing that well. But first, to keep it a little bit more interesting and get into it a little lighter, we're going to ask a question that's a little funner. So I want to ask you guys, what's the most embarrassing moment you can remember of your life? <laughs> I thought you were going to say the most embarrassing in ministry because I'm thinking of the day I get off the platform where I'm speaking to 200 people and realize that my fly has been down the whole time. But I think sometimes what embarrasses other people might not embarrass me so much. And I, I really look back to a time when I was in choir in college and uh, I am so much less confident about my speaking or my singing ability. And so I was supposed to do this short little like eight word solo in the middle of this choir piece. And I sweated the whole time up to it and I was ready and I was stressing and I totally missed it. And you have to stand up there in front of everybody singing and I, I could just feel myself go red. I was just like wanting to die. And so internally that was so much worse, but externally it probably wasn't that big a deal. So you were the only one feeling that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, how about you, Will? Well, what an interesting little, I don't know if you caught what you're saying there, is often what's humiliating to one is unrecognizable to someone else. Yeah. Isn't that an interesting? It's individual. Uh, uh, mine um, follows more of the other train of thought. Uh, seventh grade year, uh, wet my pants at youth group twice. <laughs> Same day? No, no, no. I, once you've taken care of the problem once, Paul, come on. Uh, once was at a Christmas party, and the other one was uh, in like 90 degree heat. We were out playing uh, volleyball. And someone was tickling me, and it just tickled a little too far. And you know, you know when you're laughing really hard, happens, yeah. And then all of a sudden, you're not laughing anymore. There's a moment; it's it's when you wet your pants. Uh, you know, it's funny though when you're talking about this because you're saying what a, basically we're asking what's a humiliating story? Yeah. That humiliation does not necessarily lead to humility or mm-hmm. being humble. Yeah. It just means that you've been exposed at some level. <laughs> Have you guys ever had like that retroactive embarrassment? When I was in high school, like I, I learned how to play guitar. I don't have any musical ability. Was discovered through that process. <laughs> but um, my uh, family that I was really close to, the dad was a traveling pastor. Well, he filled in for pastors. And so we went down to a church um, that he was filling in. And he's like, oh, you played the guitar. Um, and it was like a church of like 20 people that were meeting. And he's like, you can just lead this worship song. And so he gave me the thing. And I, oh, no. I had just learned chords. I had no rhythm. But I was like, I can do this. So I got up there. And I can't sing, can't really keep it. It was like the same strum the whole time. <laughs> like, I just did it. And then afterwards, I was like, what did I just do? Like, that was, I dropped the guitar after that. So your confidence level was way higher right. than your skill level. <laughs> looking around this room, it's an interesting thing. We're talking about humility. And I'm looking at three people that are moderately confident people. And what humility means probably has to be at a deeper level because mm-hmm. we have to overcome just a, a basic self-confidence that, eh, we're going to be fine. Yeah. Yeah. So humility is the topic today. I think this is a great one to start on, too, because I think it's not only – there's a lot of difficult ones, but for me, this is a really, really important one. Mm-hmm. I think of it like the first domino in a, in a line. 
that genuine humility leads to so many other good things. Yeah. Um, and if you don't have any humility, you can't get there any other way. And right. I, so it's not only hard, it's just really, really important. Yeah. So what has been, as people who are up front all the time and who lead people um, from that kind of position, what's the challenge for you guys in humility? Uh, I was thinking when you were bringing up this topic, uh, my mom had a great line that she told me years ago that comes back to mind often. And she said, you know, when you walk into the room and somebody says, here I am, you lucky people, everybody can spot that. That's like, obviously that's pride, hubris. But the person who walks into the room and says, oh, don't look at me. I'm embarrassed. I don't have the right clothes on. I don't have the right haircut. I don't. They're just exactly as proud because their whole focus is on me. And she's had this great comment that she said, you know, humility is when you walk into the room and go, oh, there you are. Hmm. And and I thought, you know, how often I enter the room voice first and start off with as though there's no conversations going on until I come in the room. And and uh, and it's all about here I am. Mm-hmm. And humility is, oh, there you are. So and, really the perspective. Yeah, that's a great, great reminder. As we were talking, I was thinking about the DNA of humility. And one of them that I was thinking of was I think serving is a part of humility. But then as I was thinking that, how many times have I served so that someone would see <laughs> this? And, and I, I love the idea of almost trying to say, how can I serve out of love and not out of what someone will see? Mm, that's good. Yeah. And I think for people who are up front, um, that's always, you know, I, I find in myself that my best motives are still mixed. You know, even if I'm trying to do everything for the right reason, I still want people to say good job and thank you and don't criticize. And, and I remember one time when we were challenged to serve and, and there was this event that everybody left and I was left cleaning things up and, and I was a little resentful and I, oh, I have to do the vacuuming. And I remember finally going, oh, this is one of those moments. I can actually serve God and nobody knows and nobody cares. And, and it was funny because it, it switched inside of me to I, I was realizing that I so often do things either for my own feeling of accomplishment or for other people to notice. And if I could actually do some one thing just for God, and it became kind of a, a cool moment to yeah. vacuum as under the Lord, if you will. <laughs> You're good at that too, Paul. I have, I yeah. have pictures. In yeah. fact, uh, our houses need to be vacuumed. <laughs> I can practice. I know that's something I've documented since I worked at Family Church of, of Paul, the guy that you see up front all the time, and just uh, when something needs to be cleaned up or the dishes need to be done. He's, he's a great mom. I call him the mom of the office. <laughs> um, you know, the place I wrestle, I've wrestled with um, humility, and I feel like God has wrestled with me on is that that humility that's like Christ, where, you know, him being even like God gave himself in such a humble way to love us when he didn't have to and when he didn't deserve it. And I, I've thought about how that applies to my own relationships, like how often I want to be heard and I want to be right and I want my perspective to be part of it. But the, the most self-sacrificial thing I can do for that person that I'm in relationship to is listen to them and know how I can give input or give encouragement or give love that's for them, not to, to be seen myself, mm-hmm. which is it's hard. It's mm-hmm. like, sounds great. And I feel called to it, but it's hard sometimes because you want to be seen and you want to be loved yourself. So then you would also have to ask the antithesis of humility would be pride, correct? Well, then what's the makeup of that? Because isn't that what we would be saying? This is what needs to be torn down. And I think it echoes out most in me uh, in defensiveness that when – so interesting. I, I don't know when you're listening to this, but at the time of this recording, Paul is speaking on uh, Exodus 18 
in which great humility of Moses is put to the test because his father-in-law gives him a challenge. And I was just thinking how easy it is when challenged to say, nuh-uh, or that's not what I meant. And I think that this is like the practice ground because it's the core. Because when you're criticized, that's the core of you. Mm. More than even like the being seen. For me, um, the being seen or not seen and stuff like that, there is a part of pride and humility there. But when someone attacks or feels like attack, but when someone criticizes, that feels like an attack. What do you do in that? And it seems to me that a huge component of the DNA of humility is a response with an openness to criticism. Do you think that is um, true on like more external um, reflections too, like where maybe not even about our own opinion, but when we think something is such a good cause or such an important thing, a a social justice or whatever, that we're willing to stomp on other people. Mm. Um, I mean, I have to put it rawly, but like how, how, and it can feel like very, it can feel very um, right, very just, but yet we've, we've lost something in loving each other in that. You know what I love about what you're saying? You're taking it outside of if criticism comes my way. What, you're, what I'm hearing is, uh, at the time of this recording, um, social media right now is a cesspool of opinion. Mm-hmm. And every, every person thinks they're right and that they're standing on truth. And so everything is combative. And, and there's, mm-hmm. there's just so much anger on it. And I think it's really a lack of humility. I, I feel like the journey into humility is is – it's multi-layered because I think so often one of the phrases that's helped me so much is humility is just telling the truth. It's not putting yourself down. It's not building yourself up. It's just saying what is real. But my pride, the, the, the essence, I think, when you were asking what is pride, I think the essence of it for me is I want people to think of me better than I am. Mm. No matter what happens, I hope they give me the extra benefit of the doubt uh, and think of me as super, even if I'm average and, and whatever. So that sometimes I'm not even honest with myself, that I have a false idea of my own strengths and abilities. And so that humility, I think, has to dig down inside my own heart because I can't be humble and honest with somebody else if, I'm, if I don't even know that about myself. Yeah. And so I find that there's not only defensiveness when somebody else says it, but I have these overlays of of ways of looking at myself and, you know, <laughs> rationalizing my own my own struggles and rationalizing my own failures and making them look better, that I do that even in my own head. So how do you practice um, being honest with yourself? I think that's a really hard thing to even grasp how I do that. It seems like there's a step before it. Because you said telling the truth. I wrote, immediately wrote down uh, seeing the truth because I don't think that I see it. and mm-hmm. I think that that's probably the most difficult thing. And I, I was reminded of James where he says that you look in the mirror and then walk away forgetting what you've seen. Isn't the essence of humility the ability to look in the mirror and say that's true and then set out to actually put your hands to that very thing? And Do you think there is um, a willingness to, to feel the emotions in that? Because I, I could see where what may deflect us from being honest with ourselves is it feels bad sometimes when we have to face that. I don't like that about myself or that that is something that... I think it feels bad all the time. Does it? <laughs> I feel pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> what I'm hearing you're saying is you're not being very honest then, Crystal. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying. I'm, I'm, guys, tell me. How do you do that? <laughs> and, and I was thinking those those channels, what you're saying is that God uses other people, like the story of Moses and his father-in-law. And I think that has always been there and... 
and is always helpful. But clearly, I think the scriptures do that too. And mm-hmm. and I, I realize that God has to take away the scales from our eyes, if you will. Like when we were studying through Ephesians, somehow God just really riveted to me about these three qualities we've talked about mm-hmm. of humility and gentleness and patience. And, and the words in this text are so strong, you know, be absolutely, uh, and, and it uses such strong language that we are to have these qualities and you can't look at those honestly and say, I'm there. Hmm. But we gloss over and we say, yeah, be kind of gentle and hum, hum, sort of humble and kind and, you know, be nice to people. We just, we like to, to take the heart of it out. And so then when yeah. we let the scriptures really speak to us, like, be completely gentle, hmm. be completely humble, it says. And it's like, so are you there? No, I'm not. So I think the scripture forces us if we read it honestly. Yeah. For you guys, is there a moment that you'd be willing to share or a season in your life when you really had to press into a place where maybe you were prideful or, or where you really were humbled um, that you'd be willing to share? Well, I I have shared this before, but I, I came to a place in ministry here at Family Church where I was the lead pastor for a lot of years <clears throat> and came to actually a moment, a Thursday night, where essentially everybody who was on staff in front of the whole board looked me in the eye and told me all the weaknesses of my leadership mm-hmm. and places I had failed and places that they didn't think I had done what I should have done. And none of it was, um, you know, criminal or even uncaring. It was just they were saying I was not competent. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was this ripping apart of part of it was a, a lie to myself that, This is the best, I'm doing as best I can, so we'll just all get through, all muddle through. And it was also really impacting to hear people say what I hadn't done or what I should have done. And I had to decide, is this true? And uh, way too many of them to say, no, this isn't true at all. And then I also had to say, what am I going to do after that? Am I going to give up and go away? Am I going to try to learn? So I think that was a really big moment for me, a breakthrough of... And I realized there were lots of blind spots there um, that had to be slowly punctured over the next few years. But that was like the blow-up moment. So just to be clear, that happened. You'd been a leader, a lead pastor for a long time. You came to that moment of reckoning with your leadership. And then you processed that. And then you came back and continued to be on that team, which is this team. Yeah. Was that What was that like in the days following that? Um, part of me was embarrassed. Mm-hmm. Part of me, it was Pastor Ed took over the position in the chair that I'd been in, and it was a whole clinic to watch him do things differently than me and to go, oh, because I know exactly what I would have done. And it's like, oh, that's completely different. Mm-hmm. And to begin to – I felt, honestly, by the time I got past the embarrassment, I felt privileged to think I get a chance to sit res- beside the seat I had and watch how it's done in a better way and learn. And mm-hmm. it was like – if you had a master's level class at this, you would be paying money for it. it. But it took me a while to get there because obviously it's painful and embarrassing. But some of it was just like, oh, I didn't, I couldn't see it that way before. Yeah. I was thinking of mine um, was in a very similar time frame. It must have been about a year after you, because um, some of the players in your story became players in my story about a year later, and I ended up sitting in front of a, a group of board members at the organization I worked at before I was at family church and being ripped up pretty good and being ripped up with some real strong intensity um, and really feeling the weight of that and then having to wrestle through the similar the question. I mean, you're going to have to endure the meeting. 
It's funny how I just realizing as you're saying it and I'm thinking of my own. There's no way you can be humiliated in a meeting whether or not you're humbled. It depends on what you're going to do in, in the next days, weeks, months, and years. And I remember I think the, the humiliating moment was there. Uh, whether or not it was humbling determined on whether or not I would look at what's true and then how would I respond to those people. So when I saw um, one of those people that were in that room, there were three of them, at a golf tournament maybe two years later, being able to say, you were right, I saw what you, you were saying. And yeah, it was funny, as you were telling that story, my heart kind of just tore a little bit listening to you tell, what does it feel like to have people that you work with sit there and then shoot at you? And even if they weren't shooting at you maliciously, some may have been, but if they weren't, even if they weren't, it still is so painful mm-hmm. to be told the truth you don't see. Mm. Yeah. What about you? Crystal? I think one of the most humbling things for me actually was when um, my husband and I went through a season where he struggled with addiction. He, it got so bad that he went to recovery and it was really something he had. He needed help to break free. But in that process of us being counseled and going through as a family, um, I realized how controlling I had been and how much expectation I put on him. And in that place where he had done some things that were pretty destructive in his addiction, but realizing and having to feeling like to go forward healthy, I had to face into, even though I was hurt in other ways, I had to face into the, the pride and control that I have, I had enacted in our family. And that was really hard. That was really hard to face that. Um, before you were, we were, you were the good one. He was the bad one. And right. all of a sudden yeah. you had yeah. to. Yeah. And I think that it's easy to get in that role. Um, but it was also very freeing to face into that and to confess that and to confess to my husband who at that point had left our family for mm. addiction that I, I was part of this was really, really hard, mm-hmm. but also um, think a huge point where I surrendered some big things in my pride and my control to, to be freed from. Mm. So. I remember you saying, Paul, the, the most difficult ground to surrender is the moral high ground. And I think that's a great point when you're the good one and someone else is in quotes, the bad one, mm-hmm. Um, humility is not necessarily, I don't mean join them in the sin, but humility is seeing yourself as equals with those who are perceivably not your equal. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, I think there's a biblical foundation to all of this idea that we all have a sin nature and that we've all made destructive choices mm-hmm. and that we've all been shaped by other sinful people. And, you know, if we believe what the scripture says, it should not surprise us. But mm-hmm. we like to pretend that we are <laughs> done with sinning and perfect. And, if, you know, I, I think of one of the signs for me was I always would confess what was a problem 14 years ago or 12 years ago or a year ago. But to say what I'm struggling with right now yeah. in, a, in a group where people are listening and know mm-hmm. me and, and will hold me to that. That's another level. Um, when you're saying that about the moral high ground, where is the place of grace in humility? Yeah, I think what kind of leads to what I was saying as well is when I see myself as somebody who is broken and sinful and blinded and in need of Jesus desperately, if I come from that place, then I can see other people's failures and even sins against me or even unfair criticisms of me, I can see those in through that lens. And if I do that, then that emotionally separates me from it and allows me just to see them as a fellow struggler mm-hmm. as opposed to I'm the mature leader. I'm how many ever years of training, years of serving, whatever you want to act like the, you've arrived. 
um, when I see through that lens, then it's easy to be cutting and critical. So what it, what is the thing, if you guys are okay sharing, like what are you struggling with now when it comes to humility and pride, like currently in this COVID season? Obviously, there's a lot of ugly rhetoric going on about everything about masks or about churches reopening or about, you know, what we should or shouldn't do and who is or is not telling the truth. And, and I think um, one of the things I have to keep coming back to is to answer people gently, kindly, caringly. And the funny part is, as a fast verbal processor, I can come back with a reaction or a put you in your place or a, oh, yeah, but you don't know about this. You know, I, I have the inner debater that can come up quickly, and it doesn't do any good. <laughs> it's it's not going to help win anything. So I think that part partly just responding carefully, listening, understand that people are struggling, that they're acting out their own. <laughs> They've been in isolation for way too long, and it's showing. So that's one of the things that I – is to quit trying to put people in their place, quit trying to straighten them out or tell them what should be and see them as people struggling and yeah. and uh, and acknowledge that I'm struggling with it. It's hard, you know, and so i got to be careful. I'm a little sharper, a little quicker than I might normally be. Mine isn't altered by COVID. Um, it's a little bit like this is just such an inner core problem that you had a pandemic, and it's like when the economy goes bad around the world, and we're like Douglas County, we're like, welcome <laughs> to the club. Yeah, <laughs> Thanks for joining us here. So mine is that just the defensiveness, even in my own self-talk and my own thinking of whenever something's brought up, my, a defense of either my position, defense of my perspective, a defense of my person, just just defending. And so even if I'm not in a dialogue with someone, the inner dialogue of, of defense. And you're really good at it, right? So you should give yourself some kudos there. Huh? Right. So now I have another <laughs> humble problem. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mind similar. I feel um, definitely like my capacity has went down too, like just like having to accept that. The just just the stress and external changes, but um, not knowing is hard. It's hard to like not know what the right answer is, and not and I like I'm a little bit of a debater too, and my temper's been a little bit shorter. But sometimes I'll argue and realize I don't really know what I think <laughs> or what the right answer is here. <laughs> and I um, I'm talking like yeah, I do, but I'm not sure. Yeah, and I think that's a little bit of pride, thinking that I would know. Um, mm. A lot of pride. Um, but also just having to face into I don't know, which can be a beautiful thing spiritually. But um, it's a hard time to, to react well. And I agree. I was thinking um, probably one of the values that I have tended or things I've tended to draw value from is being a hard worker and putting in lots of effort and lots of time and all that. And so all of a sudden, a lot of the things I was doing have just gone away. And I have definitely found myself at places like, what am I doing? And and also the lack of motivation and just the the haziness of it all. And, I, you know, it takes away that I am what I do. And so... That's that's been a struggle in this time too. If you guys, um, as we wrap up here um, with this episode, if you could give one encouraging challenge or piece of advice to the people listening, what would you tell them? You never arrive. Hmm. I don't know if that was discouraging. <laughs> We're supposed to be encouraging. <laughs> like, uh, that was a straight truth. <laughs> well, I guess, I guess here's the here's the thing I'm thinking is that it's it's kind of like layers of an onion. It's that we and, and I think God in His goodness doesn't give us all the truth at once. Yeah. That he, he keeps in that process, like you're saying it. We have never arrived. We keep wrestling through that. But I guess the good part of it, is, I have found, is that the more humble I am and the more willingness I have to face into stuff, I actually feel freer. That it's a work keeping up all those shields. It's, it's work being hidden. It's, mm-hmm. you know, and that when you can finally say, yeah, I'm not good at that, or 
I messed up that that way. That actually is freeing. It, it, yeah. Instead of trying to keep up this image and this facade, you can actually say, you know, I'm struggling today or I'm, I'm kind of angry. And, and you can be genuine. And it sounds so scary, but the more I do it, the more free I feel, which I think is the really encouraging part of it. Yeah, and I'll, um, I'll go right off that. I think what I would encourage is, is take the time to feel your emotions mm-hmm. and to process them. To whether it be finding a safe place to process with someone else, or even journaling, or even letting God know what you're really feeling, or being honest, so that long you can walks, walk are good. Through. yes, yeah, I think that that's the that's the road to going forward yeah. right now for many of us is to really um, understand and accept where we're at, so we can move forward. Mm-hmm. All right, thank you guys for joining today, and I hope everyone listening out there will tune in for our next episode. There will be a next one. Thank you for listening to the Called Forward podcast. To hear weekly episodes, visit our website at calledforward.com or subscribe to the Called Forward podcast at iTunes or your favorite podcast app.